we have the privilege of not only worshiping together, but our Christ Chapel East pastor, Scott Davidson's going to bring the word. And I've watched uh, Scott over the years and had, you know, just a part of walking alongside him. And, and I, without any uh, fear of contradiction, I can tell you that I've watched the, the maturation and the reverence for the Lord and his word and a communicative gift. It's just so beautiful. It's easy and it's uh, the anointings on his life, just like on Jason here in our church. And I just thank the Lord for that. And I want you to welcome him as he comes to minister this morning. That's my water from last week. You're welcome to it. Good morning, Christ Chapel. How are y'all doing? Man, y'all y'all look better than that. I know you're doing better than that. How are y'all this morning? I just, uh, first of all, listen, I, I want to get straight to the Word. I love, I love being able to, to, to preach the Word of God, but I just got to get this out of the way. Um, it's a huge honor and privilege for me to be here doing this today. Um, I want to thank Pastor John for this opportunity and... Uh, when he called me last week and asked me if I would like to, to speak today, I did my very best to contain my excitement, and I gave him a very professional, pastorly answer. I said, yes, sir, I'd be honored, sir. But really, I was like, yay, yay, yay. <laughs> you know when a sports team wins a championship, and everybody goes crazy, and they fill the streets, and they start just going out of their mind, everybody says, act like you've been there before. That's what I'm doing today. I'm, I'm going to act like I've been here before. Now, that might not make sense to, to some of y'all but right now, but in a few minutes it will. Because today I'm going to be speaking about a topic that most of us, including myself, would much rather, if given the choice, avoid. Today I'm going to be talking about waiting. Waiting on things. And already I can hear the collective sigh and eye rolls in the crowd as we uh, even fathom the thought of having to wait for something. How many of y'all had to wait in line this morning at Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks for you all who have real jobs? Uh, you're stuck in traffic, but the traffic is the drive through line. Before we go further, i got to do what's most important is to make sure that the Lord is invited into this because this is not about me at all. It's about him. So let's pray. Father, we love you, and I thank you so much for this opportunity today. God, you and you alone probably know what this means to me more than anyone else, and I just want to do everything that you've called me to do in this moment, that, that I would move out of the way and that your word would reign clear to the people in this room and the people who are here later. God, that it would touch their heart and prompt them to knowing that they can wait with you. Lord, we love you and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Waiting is mentioned about 140 times in the Bible. There's many verses that talk about patience and waiting and having to endure and long-suffering. And today I'm just going to use a, a very familiar one that if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard it several times, and that's Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. It says, even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk, and they will not faint. See, that's a, a very familiar verse, but I believe that the reason the Lord brought this one to mind as he was preparing this. and I would thought that, that something that, that as big as this moment, after I got off the phone with Pastor John, I was still here in this building last Sunday afternoon, and the first thought was, what am I going to say? Before I left the building, the Lord told me, you're going to talk about the wait. And when he, when he brought this specific verse to mind, I remember, I think that I know why. It's because I love God's Word. I love the Bible. I believe the Bible, and I have made it up in my mind that it is the final authority in my life. But even with that, 
this verse just seemed to not quite fit me. Anybody ever had, you read it and you're like, well, that's good for everybody else, but I don't know if it works for me like that. Here's why. Here's why. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. I understand that's a metaphor. I got that part. But then the next part says that we would run and not be weary. And that we would walk and not faint. And I would think about all the times in my life when I would find myself wanting, waiting, lacking something. Times that I would feel very weak. That I would be out of my own strength. Felt like it was no matter what I did, no matter how hard I prayed, the, the strength just wasn't renewed. I'd find myself tired and frustrated, growing very weary, feeling like I would faint at any moment. Almost to the point of giving in or giving up. Now, I know that you might not expect to sit there and hear the person on stage say that they've come to the weakest point sometimes where they felt like giving in or giving up, but I need you to understand the honesty here that preachers feel just like you sometimes. We're not immune to life struggles. We're not immune to being weary or feeling faint. Has anybody else been there or is it just me? And I thought, well, maybe I'm reading the verse wrong. Man, the Bible can't be wrong. It's got to be me, right? Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Maybe this verse isn't about waiting. Maybe it's literal. That I can run and not be weary. And I could walk and not faint. I realized that that wasn't true when I ran my first 5K. Because <laughs> when I ran, I was weary. And even when I started to walk, I was going to faint. I said, Lord, this verse must be broken. Something's wrong with the translation here. And over time, as he started to, to deal with me and, and, and mature me, I, I started to realize that, of course, the verse wasn't the issue at all. It was me. Now, I just want to put this disclaimer out there. This isn't necessarily part of my notes, but there will be times in your life when you read Scripture and it'll contradict something that you think, feel, believe, or want to do. And one of those things that's probably incorrect, I want to go ahead and settle it in your heart and mind. It's not the Bible. If what I think, feel, and want to do is contradictory to God's Word, Amen. automatically I'm the one that needs to change. There's, there's no question about it. There's no debating. There's no Google searches or anything that's going to tell me different if the Word of God is the final authority in my life. So understanding this, I realized that I was not reading this wrong. I wasn't reading wrong, I was waiting wrong. Today I want to share some of the things that God has shown me, and like Pastor John did last week, I, I'd like to just put a little bit of my own story in today's message. And I want to share with you some of the things that God has showed me in times of waiting. The first thing is this. It wasn't that I was waiting that mattered. It was how I waited that mattered. Waiting wasn't just about time passing. It was about how I passed the time. Parents, you ever been on a road trip with your kids? It's a six-hour road trip. It's six hours no matter how much they like it or don't like it. It's six hours whether they ask, how, how, are we there yet a thousand times or if they don't ask at all. It's six hours. Their attitude does not make it shorter. But it does change how you feel about road trips. It's not that they wait for you to get there. It's how they wait that matters to mom and dad. Now, thankfully, in the age of modern technology and mobile DVD players and video game systems, it's gotten a lot better. They get real distracted, and next thing you know, we're there. But think about it. If, if God is my Father and, and He has me in a season of waiting, think about it with your own kids and how they wait for things and their attitude when they wait 
and, and the, are we there? Is it time? I don't know. And it builds frustration in you. Just, I said, I know we're not there yet. We'll get there when we get there. How many of y'all said, we'll get there when we get there. And then you finally pull in sideways on two wheels and stop the car and throw it in park and look back and they're asleep. <laughs> Fell asleep on getting off the interstate. And now they're cranky because you've got to wake them up. What's the difference? The difference is my attitude. Is that really what matters to God? Is that how I was waiting wrong with, with, with the wrong attitude? Yes, but it's a little bit deeper than that. If you look back at the beginning of the verse, it says, but, who, but those who wait for, and in some translations it says hope in, for those that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And I realized that, yes, my attitude mattered, but the reason why it was so easy for me to have a bad attitude while I was waiting was because I was waiting for the wrong thing. I was waiting for the stuff. I was waiting for the thing. I was waiting for the blessing. I was waiting on the provision. I was waiting on the promotion. I was waiting on the, 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 the whatever it was. I was waiting on the thing. But the verse doesn't say those who wait for the thing renew their strength. It says the promise is the, for those who have renewed strength are the ones who are waiting on the Lord. Right. Not the thing. Not the thing that I'm asking the Lord to give or provide. It's that I'm waiting on Him. You see, when I'm waiting on the Lord, my, my posture is different. My reverence is different. When I'm in the back seat on the road trip and, and the Lord is the one driving the car and He says, we'll get there when we get there, I close my mouth and wait because I understand that He's going to make sure we get there safely and right on time. I don't have to try to press and push and change things. I realize that waiting on the Lord versus waiting on the things produced very different emotions and things in my life. Waiting on things produced frustration. Waiting on the Lord produced admiration. Waiting on things would always produce doubt. But waiting on the Lord would produce discipline. Waiting on things produced worry. But when I waited on the Lord, it produced worship. When I waited on things, it produced anxiousness. But when I turned my attention and waited solely on the Lord, it produced righteousness. How I wait matters. Amen. How you wait matters. The second thing that the Lord showed me is that it's always worth the wait. Amen. It's always worth the wait. God's Word tells us that He will supply every need according to His riches and glory. And that He has made everything beautiful in His time. Those two promises right there tell me that if, if, if I'm waiting on him, if I'm not waiting on things, if I'm waiting on him, he's going to give me something that I couldn't even imagine, and he's going to give it to me at just the right time. You see, for us to truly benefit from something, a lot of things have to line up. You might not have ever thought about it before. For, for something to really benefit your life, a lot of things have to, to line up. It's got to be the correct thing. It's got to be the correct time. It's got to be the correct place. And you've got to have the correct understanding. And let's just go ahead and admit it. As smart as we are, most of us only have about one or two of those things figured out at any given time. We might know the right thing, but we don't know the right time. But we might know the right time, but we don't know where it fits in our life. It's like my little Chawini Dotson Chihuahua mix dog that's about this. It's a Chihuahua, a weenie dog, and a Chihuahua. And he's a ferocious beast. He's a ferocious beast, Max. 
He's a ferocious, he, he'll chase every car. We got to put him outside on a, on a, on a runner because he'll chase every car that passes the house. It's something that he wants. He'll chase it all the way down the road. But what are you, what's he going to do with it when he gets it? We chase after things that we have no idea if it came to us. What would I, what would I even do with it? It doesn't even fit in my life. It just looks attractive to me. It's just a twinkle in my eye, but there's not a time for it in my life. There's not a place for it in my life. And even if I had it, I wouldn't understand what it was. Anybody ever gotten something that they wanted really bad only to realize they couldn't use it yet? Like a post-dated check? For you young people, checks were pieces of paper that we used to write numbers on when we wanted somebody to get money. You realize you couldn't use it yet? You didn't have a place for it? Or you had no idea how it even worked? But you got it! Did it benefit you at all? You see, I know y'all have heard this before because I learned it from Pastor John. The right thing at the wrong time is the what? Wrong thing. I've heard it a lot of times, and, and I have to remind myself a lot often that, that phrase, I'll hear Pastor John's voice when I'm, when I'm really hoping for something, and I, and I got to realize, man, the reason I don't have it yet, maybe it's the wrong time, and if I did have it yet, it would make it the wrong thing. That's why I don't have a million dollars yet. It's the wrong time. I'm not sure how to use it yet, but I'll have it one day, I believe, after God matures me. Here's the thing, the Lord not only knows you better, he also loves you better. His promise is that no good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. And he already knows the perfect what, he knows the perfect when, he knows the perfect where, and he knows perfectly how something fits into your life. It's always worth the wait. The thing that I imagine is the best thing in my life. And I wasn't planning on this part, so I'll do it quickly. I remember there was a time in my life when all I wanted was a real job that I couldn't get in trouble for. And at, so at 30 years old, before I got saved, I applied for a job at Taco Bell. Humbling myself at 30 years old that I would work at Taco Bell. And, and I felt like, man, you know, I've done, done all these other things, but at least I need a job that is above the table. And the 26-year-old regional manager with tattoos from his throat to his fingernails and dish saucers in his ears looked at me and said, Sir, you're not a good fit for our organization. We can't help you. It's a true story. I don't have time to go into details. But at that time, to me, it was the best thing I could, I could ask for. Fast forward to four years later, my first night as a youth pastor at Making First Assembly, we were there, and we had been working all day to set up the gym and make sure it was great for the kids and have the game set out. And, and it was just so exciting that my first, my first night as a youth pastor, and, and we had worked hard all day, and we leave there, and we stop up here at Zebulon Road at the gas station, my wife and I, and we get gas in the car, and I realize I've been so busy I haven't eaten all day. I'm starving. The only thing open is Taco Bell. So, so I go in Taco Bell, and I order my food, and the, the, the young lady takes my order, and she goes back to the back, and all of a sudden, I just hear this ruckus and this chaos and pans slamming together and people fussing at each other and yelling, and, rah, 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 and I'm like, man, can I just get a chalupa? I don't, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm just, I'm, I'm standing there like, is this what I'm paying for? And the Lord spoke to me and said, aren't you glad you don't work here? Because it's always worth the wait. Prior to that, I wasn't trustworthy enough to work in a place to make people's food. But that night, I had been trusted with people's children in a youth ministry. Thank you, Lord. Because when God gives you something, it's always better than what you thought you could have. It's worth the wait. The third thing that the Lord told me, has shown me over the years is to beware the counterfeits. 
to beware of the counterfeit. Not everything that looks like the Lord is the Lord. Not everything that looks like the Lord is the Lord. There's been many modern advancements in the sheep's clothing manufacturing industry. Used to, you could look at a wolf in sheep's clothes and see a little ear sticking out or a fuzzy tail and go, wait a minute, that don't look right. But now they, they walk like the church and they talk like the church and they offer you the things that the church would offer you and you don't see the shiny hook in there. Beware the counterfeit. It's gotten, it's gotten to the point where if, if you're not close enough with the Holy Spirit to have discernment, you'll be tricked into trading God's ordained and absolute best for a manufactured and a manipulated cheap knockoff without even realizing it. Our society offers it constantly. Who needs righteousness when you can have rightishness? Just a little bit. Small compromises. We forfeit God's greatness for man's good enoughness. It happens to, listen, my wife God bless her. Honey, I love you. I couldn't do this without you. I want everybody to know that. She has a Louis Vuitton purse. And now, Mr. Louis Vuitton sells this purse in New York City at Saks Fifth Avenue for $1,500. And she has had this purse for less than six months, and the strap is broken. And I would be angry to spend that kind of money on something that would break in five months. The difference is, when we were in New York in December, I didn't get that Louis Vuitton purse from Saks Fifth Avenue. I got it on the sidewalk in Chinatown for $50. And man, it looked good. Until it started to fray and break. There's no return policy on a counterfeit. Once it breaks, it's broken. There's no one there to renew it, to renew its strength, to, to restore it, to bring it back to wholeness. When a counterfeit is broken, it's broken. I know waiting sometimes gets very tiresome, but don't you settle. You'll either wait on the Lord or you'll wish that you did. Now, I know we've all done it. I've done it. Some of us are doing it right now and don't realize it yet. You know, it reminds me of a game we used to play on youth trips called Bean Boozled. Anybody ever played Bean Boozled? Bean Boozled is a, is a game with jelly beans and... They have these jelly beans that look identical to each other. And some of them are really good flavors that you would want to have. And some of them are terrible flavors that you wouldn't want to have. Like you'll have two jelly beans that, that look just alike. And one of them tastes like a peach. And the other one tastes like barf. It's a fun game. One of them tastes like chocolate pudding. And one of them tastes like canned dog food. Just on a personal note, the canned dog food one is the one that retired me from ever playing being boozled again. I can take a lot of things, but that one stays with you. You can't talk close to anybody for about a week after that. You got one that tastes like licorice and one that tastes like skunk spray. Now, those two actually taste the same. Here's the thing, the gist of the game is to trick somebody into believing they got the bean that they want. And you want to give them the one that they don't want. The thing is, if you don't have any discernment, if you don't do any investigating, you just end up with the bean you end up with. There's no turning back. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get bean boozled. <laughs> don't get bean boozled. Beware of the counterfeit. Even when it looks good. Now, hey, 
Those counterfeit purses, man, them, them knockoff purses look like the real thing. Even when it looks good. I, listen, I don't know who needs to hear this, but sometimes the best offer isn't the best off option. Sometimes the best offer isn't the best option. Sometimes the enemy will manufacture something that will heighten all of your senses to get you to trade the thing that God has had you focused on to go ahead and make a move on something that will keep you away from his goodness and greatness. The best offer isn't always the best option. The fourth thing that the Lord has showed me is this. It's always worth the wait. Oh, well, now, Scott, Pastor Scott, you've already said that one. Worth the wait was the first one. Got to understand where I'm going here. The first one was it's worth the wait, W-A-I-T. Number four is it's worth the wait, W-E-I-G-H-T. There's heaviness in waiting. That's why it's so important that we are waiting on and with the Lord. You see, Sometimes, I don't want to say this the wrong way, sometimes backwards theology would have you feeling guilty and ashamed for the heaviness of waiting or, or feeling the weakness. But if, if you weren't becoming weak, why would the word said that he would renew your strength? Don't feel ashamed because you have felt the pressure and the heaviness of waiting on God. He expects it. That's why he promises to renew your strength. If you were always strong, you wouldn't need him. Ben, if you would come, we're about to get ready to close. There's heaviness in the weight. The weight of waiting is the very reason why our strength needs to be renewed. Oftentimes, we think that we are having to wait on something because the Lord is preparing the thing. We're, we're waiting on the Lord to, he's, he's, he's preparing something for me. Sometimes we think we're waiting because he's preparing the perfect time or the perfect place. The thing that I've found most of the time when I've been in seasons of wait, that it wasn't the thing that he was prepare, preparing and it wasn't the time that he was preparing or the place that he was preparing. It was me that he was preparing. The thing that needed to change for it to fit in my life the way he intended it so that it could benefit me the way that he intended it for it to bring glory to him. The thing that needed to change was me. And that's where the weight of waiting comes in, the pressure he does that through pruning and pressure and time. And just like a grape has to be smashed to produce wine and an olive has to be pressed to produce oil and carbon has to be under tremendous pressure and heat to produce a diamond, we too have to be put under the weight of waiting to produce the things in our life that become a testament of his goodness and faithfulness to everybody around us. You know, the Lord doesn't just give me the things I'm waiting on just for me. I know that he loves me and he loves you. But it's more than just about him delivering the things that we ask for. Our life is to be projected to the non-believer of how good God is and how faithful he can be and how much he cares for me and how he will renew our strength. In a world that beats people to death, we can, we can be a, a living testimony that says, I know a place and I know a person who will renew your strength, who will bring you in and hold you close, who will care for you like nobody else has ever cared for you. It's not just about giving me stuff. 
It's about producing a story that we can tell to others that will draw them close to him. And for that to be the end goal, most of the time, I'm the thing that's got to change. You see, the reason today is such a tremendous day for me is for me personally anyway not just because I get to do this I I love to be able to deliver God's word even though at a young age I boldly professed that that would be never never be what I did I'd never do this remember that's not me and now I long for it can't wait to tell people how good God's been to me. Not because I want to brag on me, but because I need to brag on Him. People need to understand that there's nowhere He can't reach them. And that if He would take one of the most backwards thinking, backwards acting, rebellious sinful men and transform his life and give me the ability to do this thing for him there's nobody out there that doesn't have hope so this would be a big day for me just because I get to do what I love to do now but that's not the only reason that this specific day in this specific place is big for me wanted to do this here for a long time and over the many years of God allowing me to be in ministry and be in different places and give my testimony and preach his word today in this room in front of you it's not just important to me because it's something I've waited for It's important to me because it's a sealing day that his promise that he gave me so many years ago would come true. You see, when I was starting out in youth ministry, I was the funny guy. I was the guy that would jump up on the chairs and spray water on everybody and get everybody going and hyped up and get all the teenagers ramped and ready to go and I'd play all the games and pie in the face and the bean boozled. I was the, I was the hype man. And shortly after doing that for a while, anybody in here remember the sixth grade huddle, the Skittle Clowns? Was anybody around back then? There he is. Youth of the year. But I started to feel a stirring that God had really gave me something meaningful to say. That he would use my gift of being able to get people excited and and, and get their attention focused in one direction. That he would use that so that once they were listening, I could tell them about him. And it was frustrating because nobody wanted to give me that chance. I would get called to come to youth events and youth conferences and, hey, what, what do you need me to do? You want me to speak? No, we just need you to take a pie in the face. Okay, I'll do it. But for the longest time, I just wanted to share his word. I wanted to tell people about how good he'd been to me. And I remember being here, my first real church job, cleaning this building. And I remember I'd come up here and I'd mop this stage in the middle of the night with no one here and I would move Pastor John's podium and I would stand here for a few moments and look out at the empty chairs and go, one day, Lord, one day, Lord, could I share the word in a place like this? Would I ever have something that important to say that you would put me in a place to where I could share it with so many? Hearing Pastor John speak is still, after all these years, 
one of the best things that I believe anybody can do. I've heard a lot of preachers, and he's one of the best I've ever heard. And I would move the podium, and I would mop the stage, and I would go finish cleaning, and sometimes under the pressure would get frustrated and say, God, when? What's going on? Is this all you saved me for? To, to hit people in the face with a pie and clean the bathrooms. You see, I had to be prepared for a moment like this because my favorite sin was pride. And when you got somebody who feeds off other people's attention and feeds off other people's uh, accolades and, and cares so much about what other people think, the very worst thing you can do is put him on a church stage. I didn't realize that then. The Lord revealed to me that if I can't serve in secret, then I don't deserve the platform. And all that time was about him digging pride out of myself so that when I was able to do something like this, I wouldn't walk off this stage today and go, man, I hit a home run. That I would go down off of this stage and say, thank you, God, for allowing me to do something so big that I don't deserve. And you could have picked anybody in the room but somehow you chose me, and I'm forever thankful for that. It was me that had to change. God wasn't waiting on the perfect date for me to stand here and preach a word. He wasn't waiting on the perfect time, opportunity, he was waiting on me and my heart to get in alignment with what he wanted to do. Maybe the frustration you're feeling right now in the waiting season that you're in has very little to do with who else isn't prepared and so much more to do with whether or not you're prepared. I would ask to examine yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to examine you and show me, Lord, what are the things that aren't in alignment? When my wife and I was waiting on our son Luke, and our friends here know the story that we endured many years of pregnancy loss. And I would ask God, what is it that I'm missing? What lesson did I not learn the first time or the second time or the third time? What am I missing, God? It wasn't about that. He was preparing us for a little boy that would give us a run for our money. We're better parents because we waited, because we had to wait. It birthed a ministry in my wife that she shares with other women that is like no other, that, that doesn't reach a stage, but it touches the hearts of hurting and broken women. People that would never listen to me, but go to her for encouragement. And the Lord uses her to help renew their strength as they wait. Even as recently as the season we're in right now, getting ready to, to launch this church, which is another milestone. I've been a part of three church launches. And, and each time would say, okay, Lord, when's it my turn? Okay, Lord, when's it my turn? Is it ever going to be my turn? You know, I'm getting older. And we had set a date that we, we, we wanted to, to have this thing ready to go by the 14th of August. That's what we had in our mind. And then we said, no, no, maybe the 21st. And then the Saturday before that, we was at the church working and getting things together. And we looked around and said, wow, to be done in seven days, it's going to be quite the endurement. And so I'm struggling as the leader and what are people going to think if I change the date again? Is it going to show weakness? Were we not prepared? Did we not count the cost? 
and set a good date. That brings me to the last thing that the Lord has showed me in times of waiting. When I'm waiting on the Lord and when I'm waiting with the Lord, I'll always see the breadcrumbs. That's how he renews my strength. He shows me little glimpses. Pastor John calls it contractions. It's not the thing yet, but the contractions are not meant to discourage you. They're meant to encourage you, to remind you there's something still to be birthed. You don't have contractions unless there's something coming behind it. And so that day as we're working at the church and I'm going back and forth on whether or not I should be discouraged, we're cleaning out some areas and we had a dumpster that we had rented and my wife came through the parking lot dragging a big tote full of things that we were throwing away and she looked at me and she said, that's as far as I go. I'm going, you take it from there. Yes, baby. And so I grabbed it and I looked down in there and I saw some books. And I'm what my wife calls, I don't, I don't define myself as this, but my wife calls it a hoarder. I say that I'm a collector of nice things. And I see a box in there with some books. And now, if you guys, any of y'all know my son Luke, he loves to read. He reads so much, he gets in trouble for it at school. Go figure. And so I said, well, Luke loves books. Let me go through and see if there's any books that, and of course, I'm only keeping the ones that look new. And I come across this book and I look at it and it's very tattered and it's very old and it's beat up on the edges. And I'm about to throw it in the dumpster and for some reason it just doesn't leave my hands. And I take a little bit closer look at the book and I turn it on, turn it on its side. And I don't know if you can see this or not, but that says Christ Chapel. On this book that's been in that building for many years, it says Christ Chapel. And immediately I'm, remember, I'm reminded of the message that Pastor John had just preached about the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And it said he already knew what he was going to do. And not only did he already know what he was going to do, he already knew what day he was going to do it. So why should I be discouraged? Why should I be dismayed? Why should I be weary and faint? He uses things like this to renew my strength. Little clues that even in the wait, you're still in my will. You're still on the right path. You're still right underneath me. You're still facing the right direction. If you're not waiting on the Lord and you're waiting on the things, you will miss all of the breadcrumbs. If you would stand with me today, I want to ask you where you would fall in a category because I believe that there's people here that are in a season of wait. It's not uncommon. We wait on jobs. We we wait on healing. We wait on doctor's reports. We, we wait on provision. We wait on promotion. We wait on restoration of relationships. But there's also people in here who've been through waiting and you've seen God's glory on the other side and you've seen that it's worth the wait and it was worth the pressure and, and the counterfeits had nothing for you. You've, you know and you have a testimony of God's goodness if you will endure the wait. So in the next few moments, while Ben plays this song, I'd like to open the altars for anyone here who you're in a season of wait and you would say, preacher, right now I, I, I'm in one of those areas where I need my strength renewed. Maybe I've been waiting on the thing and today I'm deciding to wait on the Lord instead. Allow him to renew your strength. And then for those of you who have the testimony that when you wait on the Lord, it always works out. That you would come and you would encourage and you would be that vessel that God would use to renew someone's strength. That you would pray with them. 
that you would hold their hand and, and let them know that, that God hasn't forgotten them. And for anybody else who doesn't seem to fall into one of those categories during this time, let your focus be shifted because if you're not currently waiting on something, I guarantee you, you soon will be. But remember what the Lord says today that how you wait matters. So go ahead and allow the Holy Spirit to prepare you for that. I'm going to pray and then Ben's going to sing and during that time, however you want to do relationship with the Holy Spirit, whether there or here, it's between you and the Lord. Father, we love you and thank you does it touch the emotion that I have right now. But it's the only words that I have. And Father, I ask that during this time that your spirit would do what only you can do and God, you would help people renew their strength, that you would renew their strength. Alone we can do nothing. God, that they would be reminded that you have not left them, you have not forsaken them, that you remember them and you see them right where they are and that you will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. Father, allow us to be an encouragement to others if we've already been shown your goodness and faithfulness in the weights. I ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. I don't believe in fairy tales. I guess I've outgrown. I don't mean I don't believe. There's not something bigger than me. Because I've seen it in a hospital room when the doctor said, Son, there's nothing more we can do. Well, it wasn't true. Never seen a part of gold at the end of the rainbow. I've got a promise I can hold. In the middle of the struggle, God, if you said you perform it, may not be how I want you to. But here's what I.
Church family, would you be seated for just one more moment? Those in the altar, I believe you heard from the Lord today. Can somebody say amen? Scott, I want to tell you that not only um, was that anointed, and you've known me a long time. I don't, I don't flatter. I don't do false compliments. It was anointed. It was rich and layered. And it's always people like Jason and him bucking for my job. You know, these young guys are coming up. I want to pay a specific compliment to you. That was so good. I don't do this. I'm going to go back and listen and, and get all. See, I, you were at number four. I was at number eight. And in about two months, I'm going to really preach this thing. And y'all have forgotten by then. And I'm going to, you know, I was thinking the other day. And y'all are going to think, John, that was the best measure. Thank you. Thank you very much. But, um, Scott, would you and your wife come up for just a moment? Our elders, if you're here, would you come up? We didn't want to wait till the last, y'all come on on the stage. We didn't want to wait till the last uh, uh, week, which it's next week, the last Sunday. Okay. Well, when you were talking about, I, I didn't know this, that story about preaching here. I was so humbled to hear that. But I want to say in the hearing of the people that are going to be praying with you, helping you, walking alongside, you're the right guy at the right place at the right time. I, I love the boy six, eight years ago. I respect the man today. And so, as a father in the Lord, you make me very proud. <laughs> very proud. <laughs> and in just a moment, I'm going to ask our elders to pray for you, but um, we got a prize for you. The kids... Scott almost ruined it. He come the other night, and I told him, I said, did you see any kids? He said, no. I said, what are you doing at the church? Get away from there. <laughs> Guys, will y'all come on in?
Josh, play it once more for me just so we can enjoy and celebrate the Lord. Uh, Christ Chapel East, where are y'all? Come check it out while we play this song. Come open the doors. Come on. Scott at? He, oh, he's in the van. Hey, Luke. Hey, Luke, what you think, man? You're driving this bus? Okay. All right, we're not dragging it out. This is what I'm asking you in front of them, okay? Fill it up with babies. <laughs> Fill it up with kids, junior high, senior high. Tell them of the riches of God's goodness. All right? Amen? Guys, come on up. Lauren, real quick, you want to say something? And then we're going to pray. I asked her because she's took this journey with you. So. Known me a long time. I know. I've known Scott, gosh, since I was like 11, which was like five years ago, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyways, we met in the same youth group. I know you've heard him talk about Miss Rita and my husband, Zach, and I. We were in church with Scott, and you and I have, in a lot of ways, had the same path where we've walked away from the Lord, and we have just, we know his goodness because he's been so faithful to bring us back. And I just want to tell you how proud I am that I've gotten to do ministry with you, <laughs> that I get to still do ministry with you as you're part of our family. And I just believe in you so much. And Robin, I love you. You are just as important yep. as he is. Don't ever yes. feel yes. like you're not. Yes. I've watched you for so many years walk through the darkest, darkest times of your life. And you still look to Jesus and you gave him so much glory. It is my honor anytime I hear of anybody that has struggled with some of the things you are to go, oh, you need to talk to Robin Davidson. Y'all... I can't wait to see what God does through you. I, I just cannot wait to see how the kingdom is expanded because of you. Just know this. As we look back, we know what the word says. He goes before us. He goes behind us. We can look back and see how faithful he was. But as you go, as you go forward, he has gone before you. He is faithful. When you go through those moments, don't ever forget. Amen. He has called you. Amen. You're going to do this, and we believe in you. Amen. Church, Amen. Church family, now you see why we're in agreement and we're investing and we want to be a part. I want each of you to find a way to be a part. It could be however, whenever, prayer, greeting, we're with you. We're with you. And yes, sir. I didn't mention this, but we're having our last lunch team lunch. If you want to come by and ask questions, but we're also going to let you meet the rest of our staff. Y'all gotten to know me. I'd love for you all to meet the rest of the team that is really pushing this thing and, and that, that we couldn't do it without them. When is so that? It's right after this, up in the grill. So yeah. theirs is up there too. Oh, okay. So uh is there anything in the conference or we go Okay. We're gonna make it work. <laughs> yeah. We can be grab and go. <laughs> <laughs> this is their handful, this is Luke, so Eddie, would you, on behalf of our elders praying, guys, would you all gather around them? Yes, sir. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get a chance to see the spread of your ministry, the spread of your gospel, and it's happening right here. It's beginning right here. I think of the kids, the adults, the people that are lost that will be climbing into this van right. just to learn about you. Right. It's a beautiful thing. I pray that you might um, 
put upon Scott just a, a boldness and a brightness that people can see. He's got something that I'm missing. I need to know about his Christ. I need to know about him. We pray that the Holy Spirit might be so evident upon his ministry that it just cannot be missed. Father, we pray that this time might be a special time for Scott, a time of growth, the waiting that he talked about. Yes, well worthwhile. Thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, guys, please hold up for the safety of our children. Please hold up. Kids, if you'll go ahead and make your way back to Children's Church. Those of you that are parents, you appreciate this. Trust me. We want to make sure they're always with us, and you'll pick them up at the same place. So everyone wait before you leave, please. Come on, guys. Expeditious. We're bottlenecking. <laughs> 